Welcome to More Business, More Life podcast. I'm your host, Steve Napolitan. This show is for C-level executives, entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, and speakers who have found success, but they don't have the life that they want. On this weekly show, we're going to be talking about business skills to have more business while we design our ideal life and have more life, more business, more life without sacrifice. Welcome to the show. Welcome to More Business, More Life. On today's episode, we have Jillia Wharton from Wharton Leadership Consulting, and we are going to talk about a bunch of things, but conscious awakeness inside the corporate structure and how that can help everything, your teams, your effectiveness, your growth, as well as talk about her transition from corporate America into this leadership role and how she did that, how she worked through her own fears to be able to do what she knew her heart desired. So this is going to be a beautiful episode. Well, Julia, welcome to the show. Thanks Thank for coming. you, Steve. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. We've been wanting to do this for a while. Um, you know, Julia uh, has, you know, there's, there's quite a bit we'll talk about with your history and your career and moving into your business. And we had the chance to work together. So, you know, like full disclosure, you know, I, uh, Julia has been a client of mine and she, um, and she's off doing amazing, amazing things. And uh, that's why I wanted her to be on this, on this call because, you know, from transformational coaching to conscious leadership, uh, you, you're on the consulting side, you are, you are, you're doing a number of things and it's, it's so exciting. And I think the work is so important right now with, with all the changes in the world to have that, um, you know, so maybe just speak to that for a moment. Like when you're going into an organization and you're working with the leaders, you know, what does it mean to like open up the consciousness of that leadership inside that organization? So first it starts with helping them understand what that even means because consciousness and conscious leader can, that term in and of itself can be either misconstrued or feel woo woo or inaccessible. So I break it down to conscious being around being awake and not living in automatic numbing or patterns where you're, you don't even have choice. So consciousness simply meaning waking up and leader being having a, taking responsibility for your life and what you, and the results you're creating. So it's not about one of the executives I'm working with right now as a client, there was some feelings that she was having that the company isn't recognizing her as a leader because she's not getting promoted. And I said, well, how do you know that they don't think of you as a leader? And do you think of yourself as a leader? And that's where it starts is just realizing that we are all the leaders of our own lives and the results that we create. So that's, that's the first piece is having a, a growing awareness of waking up to our own creation in our lives. And then when I go in, into an organization, it's working with individuals and then ultimately teams. That's so beautiful. And it's so true because, you know, being coming from being a workaholic myself, when you're just like doing the motions, life tends to become a blur. And, and some days you wake up and you're like, what am I doing? I, I, you know, you don't even know if you even recognize that. And there was a period of time I didn't. And I could totally see how, you know, when you get uh, so on point with the tasks at hand or whatever, that that consciousness or that uh, awakeness, awareness, those words uh, can go out the door. And then I think, and now this is my opinion now, like now being on the other side of this and having more consciousness and awareness in my life, um, 
is that I'm actually, I'm more effective. I'm getting more done. So you sometimes that woo woo part you brought up, it's like, oh, I don't have time for that. You know, I remember even when I first started meditating and I was still working like crazy. My wife said, what? You know, now you're going to meditate more time away from the family. You know, it was like, and I, and I had to veto that. Like I just knew in my heart that I needed to, to, to do that. And it was the best thing because I ended up getting more time in my life because I was able to quiet things enough to see what was going on. So this is like a beautiful thing. I can only imagine the organizations you go into, like how, how that can open up. So once you open that up, just to speak to that a little bit, like how, what are some of the results that happen when this awakeness happens? Oh, well, it's, it's so exciting. It, it varies from transforming combativeness. Like a lot of times companies are hiring me because they want their teams to get along better. They want different results. They want faster progress. They want more creativity. Like this is why companies are generally reaching out to me and, and leaders. So that's what starts to happen. And they, um, they're having more fun. They are getting along better. There's more peace. There is a, um, a greater sense of overall well-being because face it, I mean, so many leaders are the A-types they work hard. They have those routines. Um, speaking as one myself, like in knowing how I did 23 years in corporate America, it's, it's working hard, hard drive, barely taking breaks, really having high standards. Everything I did, I did the best. And, and at a certain point of time, there needs to be some, literally some pauses to see what else can emerge and seeing what else do we want to create here and getting off that, that hamster wheel of the way we've always done it. That sounds trite, but that's a big piece of it too, of this is what are the patterns that are no longer useful? And so that's what my clients can report back to is, wow, we're doing, we're doing things that in ways that we've never done before, or we had this issue for six months and we solved it in one phone call after the, you know, the training retreat that we did. So it's those kind of things. Yeah, that's so beautiful. It reminds me of a story. I can't remember who told it. It's like some famous speaker and some people might have heard this story, but they're, they're like someone new came to, I think it was like, I don't know if it was Thanksgiving or Easter. I'm kind of going to butcher the story, but the family was cooking like the ham and, and they, they went to the pan and they cut off the one side of the ham and the other side of the ham and then put it in the pan. And then the guest was like, why did you cut the ends of the ham off? And like, you know, check that aside, you know, it's part of the ham. And, and they're like, well, that's just always the way we did it. And then the daughter asked the mom, what well, mom, why do we cut off the ends of the ham? And then the mom's like, I, I, I don't know, you know, that's the way your grandma always did it. My mom, you know, and then, and luckily she was there. They're like, grandma, they went to the next room. Grandma, why, why do we cut the, she's like, well, back, I had only a small pan. So I had to <laughs> cut both ends off so I could fit it in the pan. And, and then they had no idea. Now they have a big pan and they're still cutting the ends off. You know, it goes, awesome. it goes back to this. Like, oh my gosh, are, are, are we awake? Are we just drones doing what was done before? And does that mean that that was the most effective way? It, it doesn't always. Sometimes it might be a the awakeness, the awareness might say, oh, confirmed, that is the good way. Or it's going to be like, oh, wait a minute, there is another way. There's, there's, there's another way. Yeah. And in that situation, that's completely practical, right? And sometimes many reasons why habits get formed or ways of relating get established is out of fear. It's like a fear response of, well, what if 
what if I get held accountable by the boss? Or what if um, we don't get enough revenue and we have to do it this certain way? Or what if the people, our people aren't, we have to let people go or we're not moving things forward enough? So there can be fear that then creates a completely different mental response that um, has usefulness in a certain way, but then also is, is very limiting. So it's, it's looking at the mindset to establish where are we operating from choice and where are we operating from sheer fear. And not, and not often do people have that awareness or even want to admit it. Right. It takes a lot for a leader to say, like, I actually feel scared. Absolutely. Especially, you know, um, many of the CEOs I know and all C-level, like chief marketing officers, all of them that have a P&L that they're responsible for, then uh, it's alone. Alone is the word that comes up the most when I actually get into that intimate conversation because they can't go to their boss, whether it is the CEO or the board, Right. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or, and then, and they don't, so they don't reveal that because of, of fear, right? It comes like that because, oh, am I going to look weak? Am I going to be able, you know, blah, 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 all those things load up. And then you don't want your, your staff, your team to know, because then that also could look weak and then you're not leading. And it's all these things that have been taught to us of not being vulnerable, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and letting that out. And so then it becomes very, very much uh, embodied, right? Like just, yeah. and I know I've been there like leading a company and even having investors in some of the businesses I've done. And you just look in the mirror and you can't talk to anyone. So you just look in the mirror, you take a deep breath and you're like, I don't know if I could do this, uh, but I'm going to keep going. And I'll put no the mask else, back on. Yeah, you know? that's it. Put the mask on. Yeah. I'm doing okay. We're doing great. You know? It's, it's, it takes, that's the other thing is pride and ego that can really get in the way of leaders reaching for help. And um, so I think it takes, sometimes it takes a moment for people to, to reach those depths of despair or, as you mentioned, aloneness, like something like, I can't keep doing this or, right. or they're noticing people hurting around them right. or they're starting to finally listen to right. what they're hearing that they maybe in the past needed to kind of either put blinders on this way or this way to, to really face, face things directly. And that takes courage. It, it does. You know, like, I guess I'm lucky because I'm just, every time as we talk, I'm thinking of things in my life that I can relate to this is that I lost a good friend because I got in trouble in business once and, and uh, it was, it was bad, not in trouble, like legally, like in trouble, like, Oh, I made some mistakes and finances were getting tough and all those things. And then when I finally, like some, when it finally revealed, like I waited months to this friend, then they were so hurt that I wasn't, they didn't, they're like, wow, now I see where our relationship is. And I was like shocked because I was embarrassed and they were older than me. They were like, I I was embarrassed because I didn't want to reveal the situation because I didn't want them to think I was an idiot because they were like stronger in business. And I looked up to them and then in the same respect, they, they were like, what, what the hell? Like, you didn't tell me this was going on. You know, I could have helped you. Right. Do you understand? Like, and it's like, uh, you know, and, and then it, it faded. Like our, our relationship is not the same because of that. And it never okay. was, we didn't. And I, you know, that was that situation, but it was a huge learning experience for me. I was like, Oh wow. My lack of vulnerability cost me a friend pretty much. Well, and I hear two things in that. It's like, first it was withholding. Like there was such a fear of revealing these vulnerable parts of you and then also a fear of asking for help, which falls into the category of vulnerability. 
So those are really tender things. I just led a workshop on this week, this week and last week, both with teams of 10. And in the middle of the one, the one woman said, wow, this is like really vulnerable work. And I said, it is, you know, but it's through vulnerability that we have our breakthroughs. And until we're honest with ourselves, you know, that's where we create our own intimacy with ourselves, let alone with teammates, with peers, with customers, with business partners. Like it's, it can feel weak, but it's the ironic thing about vulnerability is it truly is, it's a, it's a move of strength. Like I want, I courage is the word that came to me. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it is like one of the highest level of courage to, to have that. And you're right. It's, it's, it is, it is strength, but it's like that oxymoron in our mind. It's like, no way this can't be strength, but it's, but you know, it's, it's proved, you know, since then I could tell you many stories, which we won't get into right now, but I, of how well it's done for me. And I think in society, we're moving towards that. You know, if you think of a continuum from privacy to transparency, you know, vulnerability fits in there because, you know, as we become more transparent and more vulnerable, I believe we have so much more to gain. And really the word together comes in because then we're including ourselves and go back to consciousness. We're including our consciousness in the team at a higher level instead of having walls, barriers, uh, shields, armor. Like, how you know, I look at myself now and I'm like, oh my gosh, how much work was I doing (laughs) because I put all my armor on so you can only see the parts of me that I want you to see. And then I'm like, oh my gosh. And it's so much more relaxing, relieving. And I will tell you, Julia, I, I can stand as a testament right now. My life is so much better. Um, and are there embarrassing moments? Absolutely. Do I still deal with that sometimes? Absolutely. But now I've had the gift of the other side because I've noticed how much, how meaningful and, and how much gifts come from that vulnerability that I, I just let it all out to, to, uh, you know, I don't know if it's too far. I don't think you can go too far. I just like, I'm me. And it's like, here I am. <laughs> so it took a long time though, years of, of working through this. You know, as yeah. You know. Yeah. When you say that, that makes me think about like, I had a visual of like the knight in armor or like the, the machine that it's that can, you barely have movement. It's very limited. You can't be that responsive when you're that weighed down in, um, it almost just feels like a tight rules or tight container. There's not a lot of breathing room versus being more human. And I had, you talked about transparency and vulnerability and, and versus being together is that um, this summer I was working with a leadership team and I was giving an example. Somebody couldn't understand, uh, needed more, needed more explanation around an exercise that I was having them do. And it was around, um, being doing conscious le- listening and the different ways that we listen. You know, how often are we listening to, you know, give advice or say, oh yeah, that happened to me too, or around um, minimizing or all these different things. Anyway, the purpose was around helping them learn how to truly listen from wholeness. As I was giving my own personal example, I got emotional, like tears, my voice started shaking, tears came to my eyes. I'm in front of a whole group. And I, I stopped, I like, I, I stopped, I regained, I said, let's take a deep breath. I'm okay. You can breathe with me. But then what ended up happening is I stepped away from that and I kind of hid. I didn't reach back out to my client for months. And when I finally did, 
I did a clearing exercise with him. I shared this was the fact. This was what happened. This was the thoughts I had. These were the feelings I had. I've been avoiding you. And by the end of the whole thing, he ended up being like, I want to hire you to do executive coaching. I want you to come back in and work with my team all year. I want to do another offsite retreat. I wasn't calling for business. I was calling just to reveal. And, and it ended up creating this closeness. So it's just another reminder to me as a personal teaching that vulnerability and authenticity is part of being conscious and it's part of being a leader in your own life. Like own it, just take responsibility and, and create what you want. One just amazing, just, just in that moment, I just want to congratulate you for even being vulnerable right now in this podcast and revealing that and being open to that. Um, you know, I think it does several things. There's so many layers in that. Like one, you are, being your whole self and letting your whole self be there, which allows a much deeper connection with your clients, with the, with the world, with all of our relationships. So that's what I've noticed. Like when you have all that armor on, then you actually can't, how can you give a hug? Right. You're like, yeah. can you imagine hugging a knight? That's not going to be comfortable. Like, Oh wait, don't cut my arm. Like, come on. Can you just take that off first? You know, like it's, you know, you know, no one wants a knight uh, hug. I would never experience that. I don't know. Maybe we should do that as an exercise, Julia, you and I like have a, a conference and then we'll have people put knight armor on and then give hugs and it's not cool. And then we'll give real hug, you know, hugs that, without the armor, but you, um, it's a growth moment for you and the client. And, and the more that I've done, and I'm sure you've experienced this too, those moments when I, I just did it in January, I teared up on stage. I just, just, you know, months ago, I, I, I did it. And, you know, it's the highest response whenever, and I hate to say it like, you know, oh, go cry on stage. It'll get you more business. But it's, it's, it was not my intention. Like I, and I didn't want, I didn't say, oh, I'm going to go cry. And it was like, you know, it just happened in the moment, just like you, you start telling, so you don't imagine the emotions come, but the fact that you allowed that, cause I didn't used to allow that. I would have stopped the story or not even gone there. There are stories that I've told uh, now that there's no way I would have ever even thought to even share the story in the first place. But now that I've done that, I can't tell you how many people come up and hug me and they're like, Oh my gosh, you know, um, thank you. You know, yeah. like, uh, and, and men, a lot of men, because yeah. when I've, when I've, shown my emotions other men have come up to me and they're like thank you uh, I, i'm always afraid to show my emotions you know as a man and you know thank you for being an example like i get so many compliments from men more than women like when that happens so it's um i think well, we emotion. need to do this you know yeah and and emotions are very very powerful and um powerful tool to use as a leader and that's one of the the techniques that is that i bring in the work which is around naming what being able to sense what your emotions are. Conscious Leadership Group does this amazing um, module around emotional literacy and emotional intelligence and um, the wisdom that comes from emotions. Like with anger, something needs to stop. With sadness, some, you're grieving something. What needs to be simply grieved? With fear, we're scared about something. So what are we needing to face directly instead of just running the opposite direction? And lots of people don't even have, they can't even sense feelings. Like a lot of my clients, when we start and we're like, do simple practices around feeling body sensations, they don't have access to that because of the armor or just life's teachings. Right. And, you know, women can sometimes get misconstrued or have the reputation of being emotional, um, which right. isn't necessarily true. And, um, 
there's wisdom in the emotions. And then how, so how do we, how do we help both genders, all genders right. talking about emotions from a place that is useful and being right. able to simply say, cause it's not just about crying on stage. It, I, right. uh, my mentors, That's, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say my, my mentors, uh, uh, some of my mentors, Gay and Katie Hendricks, um, I think it was maybe Katie who said, you know, I love when men cry. If I can get men to cry and women to be angry, then we've done our work. Right. You know, it's like the, the, the emotion that traditionally now. Cause we all have all that range of emotion and, yeah. and it's, it's no different. And you know, you just, you're, you're getting me excited too about all this, you know, this opening and, and we need more of this work because we just need to be human. Like, you know, we're talking about armor and robots and think of all these things that like feel so artificial and so shielding from the human experience and then letting it come. And then just think as a leader, if you can be more aware of this and then how, how can you invoke your team? Because if you allow mm -hmm. that emotion to come, then mm -hmm. what breakthroughs are you letting them have? So if you have anger, these are all the things you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. If you have anger in the workplace, obviously something needs to stop, right? Like just going yeah. back to your things, you know, if someone is sad and you can feel it, you know, like um, then bringing it up. And, mm -hmm. and, and then if we have our own fears or we're, we're afraid of our own emotion, how as a leader, now I'm talking like to leaders, yeah. you know, if you have that emotion inside of you and you're afraid to show your own emotion, then you're probably most likely high level chance that you're not going to bring it up with your staff because you're going to be afraid of getting in that swirl yourself, thereby letting this continue to manifest inside our workspace instead of, instead of uh, doing something about it. And it brings me back to if we want to do anything as a leader, or we want that in our workplace, we want it to be better. We have to start with ourselves. How can we right. not be an example, right? And, you know? Yeah. And how do we deal with these emotions that in, is in a way that's not cutting it's not adversarial. It's not violent. It's not um, attacking. It's not blaming. Uh, all these ways of not putting guilt or shame because that's how they get abused. And that's often where then like even a leader thinking, why would I want people bringing up anger or fear in my, or sadness in my group? That's only going to like lead to a nightmare or a cluster right. or whatever, but that's not true. I mean, there are ways and it's simple, simple techniques of just simply being able to, to know a feeling and then to have the emotional literacy and intelligence. We put so much focus on the mental intelligence, what you know and expertise, but you know, emotional intelligence is this like Jedi superpower that makes leaders just, just so impactful and and authentic and um effective so it's, it's amazing yeah. you know the more that we let and some people call it the heart right and mm -hmm. it's so much more feelings are so much more than the heart itself the thing that pumps and pumps blood through our 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 body but it is a driving force of life right because without yeah. that heart we we will not live um but so if you call it the heart and the mind just for vocabulary here, you could call it whatever you want. When that is aligned, this is my experience. When that is aligned, when my feelings are aligned with my logic, then that's when the most power comes from me. When I, when I ignore the feelings or if I ignore the intellect, because that, that, that's where the awareness comes, then, uh, then, then, then neither are as efficient, you know, is what yeah. I found. And, you know, so when you can put those together, that's, and that's what we're talking about here is like, don't in many places, it's been all about 
logic, logic, like even when I first had to start to sell, cause I didn't like say, Oh, I want to be a salesperson. No, I had good things I wanted to share with people. And so I had to learn. And I, this one book said, Oh, B to C business to consumer is emotional and B to B is logical. And like, I tell people, do not read that book. It's so BS. Like, you know, when you're making a business decision that like, and you even pointed this out that your life could be on the line, like where you could be fired or whatever else, like, don't tell me that's not emotional. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And adding to even that is this concept of body intelligence. So if you have three centers, your mind intelligence, your heart or your feeling state, and then like your gut, when people talk about like your gut instinct and the body intelligence, there's a whole body of work I bring to my clients around the somatic, somatic psychology. And like an example that helps people really get that is like, if you're angry about something, you know, and you're, and you're feeling like this and you take on that posture, you could do this for, if, and I said, okay, go ahead, do that for like 10 hours. Like, and I'm, for those of you who are listening, I'm making fists over here and I'm making like this really tense face because you're angry about whatever it is. Your body eventually will absolutely tire out. Like it cannot do that for 10. Eventually your body has the intelligence to relax, but your mind can do that can hold that resentment, entitlement, judgment, blame forever, you know? So the mindset work is really important to do in conjunction with the, the heart center as well as your body intelligence so that ultimately you're, you have alignment with all those power centers. That's beautiful. You're like taking it to a whole nother level for me. Yeah. And I do, I, you know, I do have awareness in my, body and metaphysical anatomy and like I've noticed how my emotions show up in my body where like my shoulder will hurt or my knee will hurt it's like whoa what's up with that and I didn't used to think that way but now noticing like I can notice when those things flare up that's when I'm having some episode with work or uh or I got an argument with my wife you know like uh, then it's like oh so that's interesting and it comes back all this is awareness I don't think if I would have started with the small step of just being more aware I would have never noticed these subtleties because they do feel subtle. And I was that guy that would run past the roses. And when I was dating my wife, she'd be like, you never stop to smell the roses. And because I was like, go, go, go. Like, this is how I'm going to have, you know, the life I want. I got to work really hard. Mm-hmm. And, and so all these things you're saying, because I always look for like a starting point. So if someone's listening and they're like, wow, this is all great. You guys have these, like you say, even say Jedi level stuff, which I think everyone can get to that level. You know, what would be, um, what do you usually suggest for the starting point? Like what's one tip someone could take right now and say, you know, that they could start to have more awareness uh, just so they could, the first step, what, what would you think? Well, um, going off of the story that you just said, where there you are and you feel something going off with your ankle, or your leg, and, you ha- and you're aware of first the sensation, is paying high attention to amount of what you're feeling in your body that's not comfortable. Now, you can also pay attention to what feels great, but usually we're, we're trying to wake up to bulldozing over like a, a negative quote unquote pattern. And there's no such, necess- it's not, it's just energy. What's the vibration of the thing that's happening? So if you were to pay attention to, oh wait, my ankle is like killing me. And then to stop with that and to then put a feeling to that, like, okay, well, what, what would be the feeling that goes with that pain or just the feeling that I'm aware of right now? And I was just teaching this to a, a CEO and a board of directors group a team and they were using all kinds of feelings. And I said, yeah, in some models use whatever feeling you got in this particular model, just five joy, excitement, 
fear, anger, sadness. And the CEO, she's like, but I really like nuanced language. Like I'm, I'm a master at that. I, and, and she really loves being eloquent. I'm like, just the five, like just make huge chunks. Uh, and we're, well, I'm not scared. I'm emotional or I'm, excuse me, I'm overwhelmed. Mm, I'm anxious. Okay. All that goes into scared. And sometimes people have a really hard time just saying, I feel scared. Right. So using only those five chunks, that is an example of a Jedi move. And then being able to name, and my thought is X. So in your case, I feel angry. And my thought is, why did I have to go to the grocery store again? Right. Or, or whatever it is that comes up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Why, why did I have to be the one that called the partner again on this issue? Why didn't so-and-so do it? And then you're just, you're separating by, you're saying, and my thought is you're separating the thought with, you're adding the observer's mind to it. So you're creating spaciousness versus being in the motion, in the trauma, the negative feeling you're beside it. You're with it versus in it. Making now you have new choice instead of letting it all be like um, the analogy I use that that brings it quickly. I I find when I'm talking to people about something like this would be like the terms we put on our identity, like alcoholic, workaholic. I even said that on this podcast, but then then we're tying it to ourselves, or in this case, what you were just giving the analogy, you're tying it to that emotion. When you can separate the emotion or the identity from that thing. Then now we have a new choice. It's like, oh, I'm upset about having to go to the store or I'm upset about having to call um, a business partner. Then, okay, well, now that responsibility as a leader can come in. Well, what can I do about that? Instead yeah. of just being angry. Oh, well, you yeah. know, maybe I could set up a standard operating procedure so that that doesn't funnel to me anymore. Or, hey, we can, uh, what, you know, a lot of people deliver now. What if we don't go to the store anymore? What if we have, you know, but all those choices are gone when we're so, when, when we let the emotion flare without the consciousness of awareness of looking at it. Now we're just, you know, upset and running out of the house or yeah. calling the partner. And then how does that show up in our business when now you're coming with that emotion and you're on the phone? How's the partner going to feel? Even if you try to fake it and you're like, Hey, uh, da, 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 they, mm -hmm. they, they feel that. Uh, so just look at the layers of effect and how this can bring a spiral. And, and like you said, negative, positive, whatever it is, you know, it's, it, do you want that vibration to be going up in a positive, joyful way? I guess let's go back to yeah. feelings. Do you want it to be in a joyful way or do you want it to be in an anger way? Like yeah. which one feels better? <laughs> and sometimes they serve you like that. Then the lower vibration gets our attention. Like, uh, all right. I've been annoyed enough with, in your example, with my wife, like not, not necessarily that's what was going on with your ankle, but let's say the partner or, you know, business partner. I've been annoyed enough that I keep having this aching back pain I need to have a conversation. I, yeah. I now need to face this directly and reveal versus concealing and do it in a way where I'm not attacking and yeah. where I'm taking responsibility for what I actually want to create. And uh, one of my other mentors, I have many, um, I'll, I'll, I remember you saying the line, I'll never now not have a mentor. Like once you've had one, it's like they just help you get places you've never been. But Diana uh, Chapman once said to me, she challenged me with saying, I want you to work on having a preference without judgment. And I, it, that's so stunning to me, if you think right. about that, to have a preference without judgment. And in the situation of just making a request that's that clean, you know, that's how teams can transform.
just by getting really clear on what is it that you'd like and then make that request. Yeah, it's, that's beautiful. So let's pause real quick and take a break and we'll be right back. I just want to give a big shout out to Pro Audio Voices. They help me with all of my podcasts and Becky and her team are just amazing. I've known them for years, even before I started my podcast and that's why she was my go-to because not only does she help me sound great and produces the podcast so it's easy for me, I can do what I do best. I do the speaking and the interviewing and then they do all that background work to help get the podcast out there in the right way with the highest quality. But on top of that, what makes it most critical to me, for those of you that know me, wow clients are important, wow relationships are important, and working with Becky and her team is definitely wow. I get an amazing experience, I get to work with amazing people, a lot of love and hugs, let's put it that way. So if you wanna work with great people and you wanna get a podcast out and you wanna let go of all the technology and the way that it's recorded so you can do what you do best, then you definitely wanna get a hold of Pro Audio Voices and it's proaudiovoices.com and you'll be able to reach Becky and her team and be able to let go of all that stuff so you can do what you do best and then delegate the rest. Yeah, and then that and then that also comes back to vulnerability because sometimes why why did you not make that request before? You know, and it it gets there's so many layers to this. I mean, you know, because then it comes to where's your attention. I often my some of my favorite words are intention and attention. You know, what is my intention about this? This just becomes an easy tool for people. I find, and even for myself, because if I get worried about doing something, I'm like, okay, wait a minute, step back. This is the step back in the awareness. What is my intention with this? Okay, I want this and this, or this is where my intention is. Okay, great. Now, where is my attention? You know, and if it's inward and I'm beating myself up or I don't feel good about it, then, you know, that's a lot of the indicator of like, okay, we'll put my attention out, out there on, on solving it. It works for a lot of different ways. Like when I need to call someone, I need to talk to them. Don't make it about me, make it about putting my attention on them or speaking. A lot of people get really nervous about speaking. I'm like, okay, why are you speaking in the first place? Oh, well, I want to teach this and this awesome, great intention. Now put your attention on the audience and doing a good job, not on you, like what you look like, what you're going to say. Because then when we're inward attention, then we're just caught up in all of those things that are not serving what the intention was, you know? I love so, that. That's great. It just makes it, 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 we're always looking and I, and you do this in your work, like the simple, I love I just a point that out again, the simplicity of like picking the five emotions and, and putting that it also like, you know, from an artist perspective, because as you know, like I, I, I came out of film school before I did all my marketing wave and in that we were independent filmmakers. And so we, our budget constraint was so tough. And some of the scenes that we wrote in the script were like, there's no way we can afford to do this. And inside that constraint was the biggest creativity, right? Which is kind of what I'm feeling too. And it and also gets you to the core of what matters, right? So if you don't, if you let all these other words, it's almost like a cover up, right? Like, but if you get to the root of it, what is the root of that emotion? Then we can start solving problems, almost like a fire. You don't want to they always teach you with the fire extinguisher, you don't point at the flame, you want to point at the source of the fire. And that's uh, what you're getting at. So it's the simplification allows for more awareness. And yeah. then also solving the problem quicker is what I heard. So just I wanted to reinforce that because these are like, I always like to have little tidbits out there for everyone that's listening to this to like get, you know, get something, get something out can, of it. Yeah. yeah. And this technique um, can be used absolutely um, in any situation, work at home. And that's the other thing that you talked about 
it recognizing me as like a whole person. Like that's, that's how the work that I do with my clients is around whatever you're, you know, wherever you go, you, there you are, you know, that expression. So if, if you're working on this communication skill with business partner, colleague, whoever, take it home, have, have it with your child, have it with your spouse, have it with your parent, with your sibling. Like how can you amp up your conscious awareness in all areas of your life to get different kinds of results. I just had a situation, a personal situation this week. We were celebrating a family member's birthday and a cousin misconstrued um, something, a, a lack of my responsiveness to mean something personal. And it spiraled into this. It just went sideways and it went sideways for about a week. And there were all kinds of feelings and bad thoughts and this, that, and the other, and kind of attacks and allegations and all these things. And in the moment, I used all these techniques. And over texting, I was like, I feel angry and sad. And my thought is that this party, this party game, and how long it took for me to get back to you has nothing to do with you. you know. And I take responsibility for taking six days to get back to you. And if you'd like to have a conversation, let's talk. Let's let's. Let's work through where this went sideways for you. And we did. And I ended up feeling so much closer to her. She felt so much closer to me. Like I felt so much love. And um, it, was, it was really sweet. It could have made like that awkward family thing get like, you just put another nail in the coffin into like, see, I told you this. And, that, years, that, that, that. Yeah. and years. And let's go back to our initial metaphor. It's like the armor's up. How can you hug that family member? If you were to put more armor up and said, go and go to war, right? Oh, yeah. it was, you know, it's, uh, and then, um, it's useful then. <laughs> yeah. Armor is very useful at war. Yeah, exactly. But then the, <laughs> then the connection goes away. Yep. How then do we would have lost that. Peace? That yeah. moment, you would have, like you said, putting the, another nail in the coffin. It would have been, you know, done until one person was willing to start to take their armor off, you know? Mm-hmm. And yeah, so, so beautiful. And I'm just sitting here with joy because when I, when, when you and I first met, you were in your transition mm-hmm. and to see you in your full life's work. I mean, like when we met, you're like, I want to lead groups. And here you are telling me about all these workshops you're doing. I'm just so happy and, and grateful to hear this and the effect you're making on people's lives. It's so beautiful to see uh, how far you've come. Congratulations. Thank you, Steve. And thank you. I mean, that was a time in my life where moving from working in the financial services field where paycheck came very reliable and it was a nice one at that to really following my soul calling to, I knew I, my, it truly feels like a soul calling. It needed to do something different and it was very different. I knew it was very, the quality of what I was going to be bringing to the world would be like something I had never done. And, um, even though, of course, I'm still the same person. And so there was an essence of me in, in the financial services world, but bringing it into this new way of transformational uh, coaching and consulting and running your own business, like you were such a great help to me because I had never done it. And there was a ton of fear and didn't even know the very first way to put one step in front of the other. And you were a great resource to me. And to this day, I thank my lucky stars that we met and that um, you gave me a, a structure to help me think about my gifts, think, know how to talk to um, potential new clients. And um, I'm happy to say, like, it's just, it, it, my business continues to grow every single year and I'm not working hard to find the business. They're finding their way to me. 
and um, it's just it's just been really beautiful with your guidance. So, thank you. You're you're welcome, Julia. And I uh, that's why I'm so filled with joy. It's like seeing uh, the fruits of our labor together, kind of you know come to come to this point. So it's so, it's so beautiful. And I want to talk about that transition because I think so many people, you and I both know it, people are living, they're, they're working to make a living instead of actually living their great work. And you, um, you, you know, you, you, you 23 years of doing the, the, you know, the corporate gig and, and then, and then you started to realize that wasn't where your heart wanted to go. This kind of goes back to that mind and heart and body all mixed together. But what was the moment? Because I'm sure there's people out there that are living that way, right? You know, it's like their 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 greatness is in the closet. It's a hobby on the side. And as the years go by, you have less energy to even take that hobby out. And you know, so then ultimately you start, you know, living ultimately, I guess, someone else's life. I, th- I think in a, yeah. in a way, right? So what? If we like slow down time a little bit, if, if you're willing to like go back, so I think it's helpful for other people making this decision. Like what, what was like, was there like a final straw or like what triggered the final thing? Like, okay, I'm doing this. Yeah. So there was, I, I was responsible for um, a region, an office, a team, a, you know, some of the greatest accounts, the largest accounts at the firm. So my hand was in a lot of different things and the, and the stress continued to mount and the work hours continued to grow. The balance continued to get off balance and ultimately my health was impacted and I'll save you the gory details, but there was um, a real wake up call to my own well-being um, physically. And that was it. That was the last straw. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter how much money you make or how great your team is or who you love working with from a like collaboration perspective. If your well-being is being compromised, then um, and I was making you know I was making choices to stay in those patterns, and I had created those patterns. So where was my own workaholism not letting me say, okay, this is good enough? Where was it, where was I needing to go the additional you know five, ten, fifteen, twenty miles? Uh, for the client, for the company, for my boss, for the my teams, like it was a very much out of service, um, and also the ego needed to do a good job, and so it was terrifying to just say, "All right, ego, like check this at the door and go, like take care of your body," which I did for the next year before I even thought about what I was going to do next. But um, another moment that kind of coincided with that was one of my clients uh, who was an, a VPHR of a global company and she could she could hear the kind of the deconstruction that was starting to happen and she flat out said to me you've got to stop you know you you need to be patient with yourself and go take care of yourself and there was something about that invitation of being patient with myself that like brought me to my knees. Like it, it was just so lost on me that that was even needed. And I think so many leaders are working their tails off for, you know, missions that either are important to them or not important to them or has gone sideways. Maybe it used to, and it doesn't anymore. And they just don't even know it anymore. So I, 
that that's my personal story. And I think to people who know that something needs to be different or something needs to change. I heard this at a workshop and, and then the line was this after a whole bunch of people shared around, you know, being on the cusp of change. Somebody said, what has totally struck me is that everybody knows what change they want to make. It's not that they don't know. They know they're just scared to do it. They're just scared to do it. And somebody else added the comment, it has nothing to do with the amount of money you have in the bank. Very little to do with the money that you have in the bank and almost everything to do with courage. And those two comments together, I was like, shit, I'm just scared. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people are. Before is that, was, so was that, yeah. did you hear that after you made this decision? Was this like a post thing just confirming what you did? Or did you actually hear that before you made this decision? Just curious. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the timing. I was needing to take care of my medical challenges. And then in addition to that, I think I went to a workshop on change. It's like a one day afternoon. Wow. And I, and I remember, Steve, I went into that. I mean, if you would have known me in the finance world, you know, like, captain of my ship, knowing what I'm doing, like loving everybody, like powerfully making changes, suggesting things, thought leader, like in my, in my, in my body, in terms of like, there I am. I went to this thing. I was broken. I, I didn't even know like what to say I was doing. I didn't, I was directionless. I was, I was so small, you know, and there was something about needing to like be on your knees at a time when you're terrified to make that change where then those voices were expressed. And I was like, yeah, I'm scared. Somebody take my hand and help me through this. And that's why we need coaches. That's why we need mentors. That's why somebody from the outside really helps because it's almost impossible to do it by yourself. I mean, you can absolutely we're self-empowered and, and I did step away by myself, but then I needed many resources you know, including you. Well, you also, you'd probably just had those triggers like a client saying that. So even though you didn't directly ask for the help maybe and you didn't hire quote unquote a mentor or coach, you had these little like earth angels or whatever you want to call it. They were like, ding, ding. (laughs) And like the lights were lighting up a little path for you to to make your thing. So just curious because I get really curious about the moment. So what can you remember, like, let your mind go back to the moment when you decided? And then like, what did you do? Like, was it like a two week notice? I'm just curious about the moment because how many executives are out there right now freaking out? And if you're making a lot of money, you know, as you, you were doing well in your executive position and you think, and then people could be saying, Oh, well, it's great. You have all this extra money. You can do this, but all of our expenses go up. We're doing stuff. We're traveling all these things. So the money goes faster. So really, you know, there's all levels of money, but ultimately the same thing happens because if you keep spending money like you normally would, then you're out of money just as fast as the people that are spending less, you know, blah, 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 blah. So when, you know, how many executives are out there, they're living off those wages. And if they stop those wages, they're in big trouble. And even if they have a little bit of a runway, that goes quick. As you know, all of a sudden, the, you know, we've all been there. It doesn't matter what level of money's in your account. If you don't have new money coming in, the money keeps going out. Mm-hmm. So so it just, it just makes me really curious because I know that's where you were, right? In that position and, and all of us that make these risky decisions um, but to choose life. Can mm-hmm. you remember like 
the the moment or like what was the action that you took just to give other people help like it's interesting wow there were it was almost like truly a layered approach like first it was was okay can i actually like raise the red flag and say i need a break yeah and then it was what kind of support do i need during that break what kind of financial support is available to me and then it was do i do I even want to go back to the job? They're saving the job for me, but my clients aren't getting support. My team isn't getting support. Like, am I going, do I want to go back to that job? Nope. Peel that off. And then it was, you know, so back you, up one quick yeah. step. So you took, um, I'm blanking on the word, but you, so you took like a, a leave of absence. Mm-hmm. Then for, okay. So mm-hmm. that's how you started. So you set the leave of absence. They're holding the job for you. They know you're taking like a sabbatical, whatever, whatever word you want to put towards it. And then, and, the, and that, the company was awesome. They were like, take as long as you need. The CEO said it, my, the, like the head of my division, everyone gave me so much space and I had no, there was no pressure, but it was, it was the pressure on myself. Okay to be truly honest with myself. And I think that's where it's hard for a lot of us to really, and I know I've said this before and I'll say it again in this conversation, is to face directly. What, is, what have I not yet faced directly? And what is the hardest thing to accept about this? Who am I going to disappoint? Who, can, will I ever make this money again? Who, what about all these all of this incredible work network that I love and, and have a deep connection to serving. Um, and what's even on the other side? And I didn't even know it was on the other side. So it's like, it's like ripping off the bandaid, you know, you first really needing to face what is here now and then pushing away from that. We, we learned together at Steve in one of our classes, that concept of the baby steps yeah. and the four steps. It's like when they followed, infant's development and I might mess up the order, but it's like, it first needs to know that it like where it is like here I am on this area of the floor and I want to get to where that toy is. Okay. So first seeing and yielding to where you are here I am. I don't want to be here. I want to be over there. Then it's about like pushing off the, the floor and then it's reaching out that foot and then it's pulling yourself forward. Right. So it's, it's four steps that let the forward movement happen. And each step can take a ton of time accepting you don't like where you are pushing away from that reaching for something else and then having somebody on the other side or something some vision some support to like help pull you to the place where you'd like to be yeah it's a beautiful uh way and a real way that's a human way that we live and and noticing it comes back to the awareness, the consciousness, everything that we're talking yeah. about. To, and, and that's uh, the beauty. So what I heard in your story is you, you gave yourself permission to have space, to, to recover. Yeah. Because yeah. when you're go, 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 like you're giving yourself a lack of recovery. It's kind of like charging your phone halfway every day. And then, you know, it's going to run out of power faster instead mm-hmm. of getting a full charge. And then yeah. in that full charge, um you were able to see and have more awareness, right? And then, mm-hmm. then you can make, you know, better choices for your life. And um, 
and then a congruence happens, right? Because I mean, the yeah. reason you even did that is because you were doing it and you loved the people you were with and all these great things that allowed it to survive 23 years. Otherwise, you would have bolted sooner, right? But mm-hmm. there was enough goodness there that, uh, that, that kept you. But something wasn't congruent. Something wasn't mm-hmm. fully right, which kept edging. It's kind of like poking at you, poking at you, mm-hmm. poking at you. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I appreciate you sharing this this story. And so then coming and just continue it for the audience here. So then coming out of that, you took more time for yourself. You, you know, realigned yourself and probably like, even like you said, you didn't know where you were going to go. I would say, this is my opinion from outside and see if it's congruent with you, but then that being so much in, it's kind of like being in a storm or whatever. I don't know what other metaphor right now off the top of my head, but then you kind of have to be out of that to dry off. You can't, how do you dry off when you're in the rain? Right. So you had to give yourself that break to dry off and then have new thoughts, new ideas. Well, and I went to, at a certain point, I actually don't remember where that was. It was maybe like 10, 10 months. At some point I went and reached out to a career coach and no, no, actually I reached out to her much earlier than that, maybe about three months in. And she said, um, you've got to take like a year, you know, when you've, when you have done something and had it been in industry for that long and have had, had certain ways of working, you know, three months later is not going to be it. Like you really need to give yourself, plus it's grieving a loss. It's grieving that identity, who I was, um, who, who am I becoming? Um, I mean, during that time, I even did a little name change. I went from Jill to Jillia. That was kind of significant of my own personal transformation. And um, she gave me another, it was another dose of somebody like spoon feeding me self-patience. Like you're not even gonna be able to think about what you're going to do next until you give yourself this time. And, and I think it was because of that. That's a cool analogy you said about like drying myself off from the store. Then I could be so, I was so back to being truly me that the, the breadcrumbs came so quickly and it was so aligned. It was like these really bright breadcrumbs. Like I'm going to go to this thing. And I heard that person's like that little workshop on change. And I heard somebody speak. I was like, Whoa, who talks like that? I got to talk to this guy. I don't even know what he's talking about. It was all about this conscious leadership thing. I talked to him. I asked for him to give me two recommendations or three recommendations. He refers me to his coach. I meet with her. She says, go to my mentor. I talked to him. I then did this coach's program. I read this book. I, I did this coach's program. I did this psychology track. I learned this additional way of working with the ego. I learned this additional way of working with the body intelligence. Like I just kept listening to what fed my soul, what I was lit up about. And, and I still do that today. I just signed up for another thing that I'm doing starting in a week, you know, like, why not? It's, I'm, I stand for personal growth. So I'm going to do that my whole life. And that's, that's how it unfolded. That's beautiful, Julia. And it is, we are lifelong learners. And I think somewhere as adults, we get lost in, oh, I'm supposed to know it all already. Like, like supposed to keyword, right? Yeah. And the reality is I will, I know for me, I will always be a student. And because I am a leader, I'm, I'm always going to be a teacher and they're, they're simultaneous and I will never stop Absolutely. learning. And, and then why would we stop teaching? If you know something that someone else doesn't, it's like our gift to the world, right? So just to start sharing and, you know, just like all those people where you're guiding light po- posts, how many people are you being that guiding light mm. post for them, you know? So 
it's such a, a beautiful and the more strength you have in that then the more you can light up the world and you are you're mm-hmm. doing that julia so it's so beautiful to see thanks yeah. and my tears are wetting i feel joy thank you my thought is thank you for seeing me yeah you're welcome one and it's so beautiful that you took this courage because you know, look at all the number of people you're touching their lives right now, and you're going to continue to with your life's work. And just imagine for a moment, if you wouldn't have done this, how many people would not have this? I mean, maybe they would, we could say maybe they would have found someone else, but you can't do that. Like maybe they wouldn't have. And obviously this was meant to be. And so it's just so beautiful. And I'm just putting that there as a planting a seed to those that need that courage. And, you know, we're, we're, we're getting close to being out of time. And so what I like to always ask someone is like, so is there somebody maybe in a similar situation with you? Let's just, you know, it could be any situation, but they're there, maybe they're an executive and they're in that and they're starting to feel those things that you're feeling. I like to always ask, what's the first thing you would recommend? And if you never got to talk to them again, you can just tell them one thing to take the first step. What would you say, Julia? It's, it's, it's kind of two steps. Okay. Well, it's actually four steps, and this came from uh, the Hendrix, but it's, but it's, but can I give them four? Yeah, let's do it. Let's okay. do it. Okay. The first is just truly facing what they haven't directly. I mentioned this earlier. Just face directly. What is it? And say it. What have I not yet faced directly? Say it. Then the next thing is accept. What is the hardest thing to accept about this? It stands for fact, F-A-C-T. So face, face directly. A, what is the hardest thing to accept? C is make a choice. What is it that I really want here? And then T is the t- then to take the action. Maybe it's just simply admitting it to yourself. Maybe it's admitting it to your spouse. Maybe it's admitting it to your business partner. Um, yeah, it takes, it takes self-honesty and self-truth. It's beautiful. So just get it. So it's a face it, the F, accept it, right? Then have that choice. And then to take, it was to take action then? To take an action. What, what's the simple, what's the simple action that you want to take? Yeah. You don't have the, to know like. Every from, step. From it's one just, to a hundred, how am I going to get to this next place? Yeah. But. Um, Which often we never know. So just taking those first ones, you can have your, your gaze towards the direction you want to go, but take the first step. Right. Yeah. So that's so, so beautiful. So beautiful. And such a pleasure to have this discussion with you, Julia, from, from all the awakened uh, consciousness, which I think is so powerful, we've covered, and then just this a transition that you've gone through. And, and again, back to vulnerability, being willing to share your story, I think, is, is beautiful. So thank you so much for being on, the, you, on the show today. Yeah, a pleasure. And as always, remember, everyone, choose gratitude and, and create freedom. We'll see you on the next show. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the More Business, More Life podcast. I hope you got value. And if you did, we have so many more things for you at stevenopleton.com. You'll be able to connect with us on social media. We are active. You can ask us questions. And then on top of that, I want to give you a really big gift. And it truly is. We want to give so much value. We have an offering. It's a program called Clear Path to Customers. It's the same way that we attract wow clients and only working with the right people, the people we want to. And it's transformed my business into millions more in revenue with the right people and my clients. And we're doing it absolutely free. So you can go to stevenopleton.com and grab that. You just got to put in your information. We'll send it to you promptly. And that again is on stevenopleton.com. 
www.thinkandgrowthpodcast.com. I look forward to having you on the next show. Until then, remember, choose gratitude and create freedom. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.